0: Hello, 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 and welcome to this, the bonus part of today's FYI, where we are taking a look at the great William Shakespeare. Do you know how to do a British accent? Well, we are going to do a British accent at several points in the second part of today's show, especially when we take a look at the Shakespeare quotes. I believe you say Thetas in Espanol, my amigos. <laughs> You know me, I love doing voices, I love doing imitations, and that's what we need to do when we're trying to sound like somebody else. I mean, what do you think I'm doing when I speak Spanish? I'm listening to you guys, to Carmen, to Jose Maria, to Isa, to Edgar, I'm listening to each and every one of you guys and saying, aha, and I'm taking note, you might not see me writing it down, but I'm taking a mental note of not only what words you use, but how you say them and how you put them together. And when you can figure out that whole ball of wax, todo eso, well, then things will get easier and you'll be able to iron out your pronunciation. As I say, this is an Alberto Alonso-ism, to iron out the wrinkles in your pronunciation. I'm not saying get rid of your Spanish accent, that's what makes you you. But it should never, ever distract when you're trying to get your point across. So what was that business about Shakespeare's head missing? Well, yeah, I didn't make it up. And I don't remember knowing this fact. So this was something that I learned when I was recording and preparing this episode. Scientists discovered a missing head. And this was because they did a scan of the burial ground with this ground penetrating radar and they found that the bard's head remember the bard is one of his nicknames the bard's head his skull was missing so there are a lot of anomalies and i imagine that that curse has been unleashed on those grave robbers i mean there are some really crappy jobs out there But imagine being a grave robber. You got to go into a cemetery at night with a shovel, and then you have to dig up a grave, you got to open up a coffin, and you got to take stuff off a dead person. Uh, No thanks. I think I'm just getting queasy thinking about it. And queasy is como un poco nauseas, un poco mareado. But hey, I guess if you're desperate for money and you know that you're going to get, I mean, think about it, there's no price on Shakespeare's skull. The person who has it, it must be some kind of evil genius. Hey, maybe it's Elon Musk <laughs> or Jeff Bezos. I have Shakespeare's skull. <laughs> it just seems weird to me. But hey, everybody's got their thing, as we say in English, different strokes, for different folks. Now, let's take a look at the plague, la peste. It reminds me of an expression we have in English, to avoid something or someone like the plague. Evitarles como si fueran una peste. A todo coste, I think you would say. So what did the plague have to do with Shakespeare's sonnets? Well, it had something to do with this plague that went on from 1592 to To 1594. And what happens during a pandemic or a plague? Things close, especially theaters, public places. Okay, maybe supermarkets are open, you know, those kind of places, but theater, entertainment, well, that's the first thing that they start to close when public health is a problem. And there was an outbreak of the plague in Europe from 1592 to 1594, as I said before, and all the theaters in London, and most of Europe, were closed. So there was no demand for theater. There was no demand for plays. But that wasn't gonna stop young Shakespeare from writing. No way, a writer writes. So he started writing his sonnets, which I think is awesome. I didn't know that either. Shakespeare's sonnets are a direct result of a devastating situation. And Shakespeare saw that silver lining, esa parte buena, and he took adversity and he made something of it. Now, if you recall before, I also said that he was a bit of a party animal. He was a bit of a bad boy, un malote. Well, there's evidence that he was a drug user. When they found some of his old stuff, they found a pipe. Una pipa, that's right. And it contained cannabis and cocaine. So I don't know if he was partying because, well, he liked to get high, colocarse, or whether he was doing it, maybe he was uh, looking for some inspiration, or maybe he was just trying to... To cope, lidiar, salir del paso. Well, whatever the case may be, we don't recommend drug use, even if it makes you a better writer. (laughs) And it's really funny. Voltaire said this about Hamlet. He said that Hamlet was the work of, and I quote, a drunken savage. (laughs) Un salvaje borracho. So I don't know. What do you guys think? Do you think he was a rocker? a hippie, I don't know, a druggie, I don't know, but definitely an interesting dude. And there's some evidence that he even wore an earring, a gold hoop earring that he supposedly wore in his left ear. So think about it, punk rocker? Bohemian? I don't know. I don't know. It was a look that people used—not the the mainstream—but people who wanted to rebel during the Elizabethan and Jacobean eras. Well, that's what they did. And there's a famous portrait of him. You no, know, portrait. It's, you know, portrait. There's a famous portrait of him, and it's—I'm sure it's—you're all familiar with it. And in this portrait. He's wearing an earring. So that's, uh, it could be just the artist, you know, having a laugh. Or it could be that this guy was going against the grain from day one. I mean, if there's one thing that I think we can all agree on, is that Shakespeare is definitely an edgy character. Edgy, uh, nervioso, inquieto, tenso. También es provocador and I think he was all those things and all you have to do is look at the different themes that come up in his work suicide for example you know how many times suicide appears in his work 13 times that's right 13 times three suicides occurring in both Antony and Cleopatra and Julius Caesar and two suicides in Romeo and Juliet oh no I hope I didn't spoil it for you. Oh no, oh man. See, there I go with my big mouth again. But he dealt with heavy subject matter. Sure, there was comedy in there, but then there was that element, that deep, dark, brooding side. And I think that's a good word that we can use with Shakespeare as well. Brooding, B-R-O-O-D ing, solemno, taciturno, eh, pensativo, brooding, there is definitely that element of these characters who were suffering even in his comedies, and that's sometimes and that's where the the comedy comes from. As we'll see, we've got an episode coming up with my good friend Dan, Dan Feist, where we're going to look at comedy and how tragedy and comedy, well, sometimes there's a fine line between the two. I also wanted to touch on the Globe Theater, to touch on tocar. I wanted to touch on the Globe Theater. This was a, a theater in London, which is associated with with William Shakespeare it was built in 1599 by Shakespeare's theater company now they were called the Lord Chamberlain's men and this was on land owned by a guy named Thomas Brend, which he inherited from his son and this was the original site of the Globe Theater why do I say original site Well, the theater was destroyed by fire on June 29th, 1613. So remember, I said it it was built in 1599 and it burned to the ground in 1613. A second Globe Theater was built on the same site and this was up in the following year, 1614. But this one was closed In 1642, uh, due to an ordinance issued by the City of London, but the Globe Theater just wouldn't go away. And now there's a modern reconstruction of the Globe. It's called Shakespeare's Globe. It opened in 1997. Supposedly, it is a replica of the original theater. It's about 230 meters from the original site, so it's not on the exact site, but many of you, I'm sure, have seen this building in London. It is remarkable. It is unique. And do you know how it burned down? Well, it burned down suffering for its art. That's right. It was a high-tech theater, high-teches en la vanguardia. And there was a performance going on. It was a performance of Henry Eighth. And there was a cannon that was shot. So just imagine, they had special effects. It was incredible. But they also have something in England, I don't know how to say it in Spanish, thatched roofs. And thatched roofs son estos uh, azoteas que están hechos, o techos, que están hechos de paja, de de madera. Uh, Let's put it this way. They are extremely flammable. And when a cannon shot set fire to this roof during the performance, well, two hours later, the whole theater was It almost sounds Shakespearean, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. see i don't know why but every time i do shakespeare i gotta turn on my british accent oh and the theater experience was very different than the theater experience nowadays back in the day firstly there were no women women were not allowed on stage so all the female parts were played by males And also the audiences were notoriously rowdy. Uh, Rowdy means, rah, bulliciosos, I think you might be able to say. I think of a a kid, a young teenager with a lot of adrenaline. (laughs) So the audiences were rowdy. Or I think of hooligans, they're rowdy as well, speaking of British culture. And uh, they would shout, gritaban. They would boo, abuchear. Even nowadays, like if you don't like something, you usually don't boo, you just keep your mouth shut. And you know what they would do too? When they didn't like something to show disapproval, they would toss food at the actors. So that whole thing about throwing tomatoes when you don't like something, I guess this really used to happen. Can you imagine that? You tell a joke on stage. Or you just finished a nice soliloquy from Henry V and you get smacked in the face with a tomato? You might think you're at the Tomatina Festival. (laughs) I'm glad audiences are more refined now. Not much, but uh, everything counts. And now we're going to look at Shakespeare's contributions to the English language. People say anywhere between 2,000 to 3,000 words came from Shakespeare's works. And what I've done is I have handpicked the ones that I feel you should know because they're in common use these days. And the first one is, what the dickens? Okay, dickens? But isn't that another English writer? Yeah, but it was our friend Shakespeare who coined... What the dickens? Que demonios. It's like another way of saying what the heck or what the hell. Another one he coined is a wild goose chase. Goose es ganso. El plural es geese. But a wild goose chase is when you feel like you're on a mission which is almost impossible to solve. You know, when you're like, wait, man, I've been running around for three hours and I still don't have the document I need. I feel like I'm on a wild goose chase. It means you're pursuing something that doesn't seem attainable. Another one, too, to puke. To puke means to vomit. Let's move on. We won't spend too much time looking at that one. Swagger. Swagger is another one. This is one that's used very commonly with young people these days. I also think of a cowboy when I think of swagger. It's like a self-important walk. Eh, contoneo. Arrogancia. Pavoneo. Swagger. Swagger. Are you lonely right now as you listen to this podcast? Well, if you are, you can thank Shakespeare for that word, lonely. Also, the word gossip comes from our friend Shakespeare. Fashionable. Eso es, cuando algo está de moda, it's fashionable. Thanks. Thanks a lot, Shakespeare. Also, eyeball. La bola del ojo, your eyeball. To be in a pickle. To be in a pickle. Well, a pickle is un pepinillo. But the expression to be in a pickle means to be in a bind, to be in a jam, to be in a difficult situation. Another one, sanctimonious. I love this adjective. Somebody who is sanctimonious, eh, mojigato, santurron, alguien que siempre está predicando. Please, don't be so sanctimonious. Another one, lackluster. No, I didn't say blockbuster. I said lackluster, which means apagado, deslucido, que le falta eh, vida, que le falta eh, brillantez. It was a lackluster performance. Also, frugal is another one. This is an adjective that means somebody who is thrifty, somebody who is trying to save money at all costs. Frugal. Frugal is the word, and we get the noun frugality. We've got to hurry up because our time is starting to dwindle. Oh, there's another one. To dwindle. To diminish. Reducirse. Mermar. Menguar. Another one that comes from Shakespeare is in one fell swoop. De un tirón. De una vez. He tore off the jacket in one fell swoop. Se quitó la chaqueta de Tirón. De una vez. In one fell swoop. Another one that we can thank Shakespeare for. But I don't want you guys to have any foregone conclusions. And what is a foregone conclusion? That's another expression or collocation that was coined by Shakespeare. A foregone conclusion is something that is unavoidable. Inevitable. Algo que es obvio. Estar Cantado. do you have a heart of gold it reminds me of a song what about love when it was a god sometimes i had a heart of gla- oh no well the song is called heart of glass <laughs> i'm mixing up what my hearts are made of well the expression to have a heart of gold means you're a great person it is una gran persona you've got a heart of of gold. And I'm sure you've heard people say the expression, love is blind. Esa sí que es una canción. If love is blind, I don't want to see. I think it's a U2 song. Love is Blind. That one comes right from The Merchant of Venice. What about to break the ice? Romper el hielo. Entablar una conversación. To strike up a conversation. That one comes from The Taming of the Shrew. So, as you can see, this list is endless and you know what guys this list is not the be-all end-all or the end-all, be-all, los dos valen. And this is another one that comes from Shakespeare. Uh, The end-all, be-all, or the be-all, end-all, is lo más importante, lo principal, lo fundamental. And as if that wasn't enough, we even have Shakespeare to thank for some very common women's names, such as the name Olivia, Miranda, Jessica. Hey, wait, Miranda? sarah jessica parker is this an episode of sex in the city and i was avoiding it like the plague but we've got to talk about this some scholars say that he was a fraud he was a fake in fact some of the reasons they say that is because he came from a modest family his dad was a glove maker Probably illiterate. So he wasn't from the aristocracy. But this is what they start to question. They say, how can one of the most prolific, worldly, eloquent writers be a mere commoner, an everyday guy? Because if you, if you look at his tales, I mean, he talks about European capitals, international affairs, history. I mean, this is somebody who has a higher education. And their theory suggests that this was a few other writers... And they have a few people in mind that were trying to conceal their true identity. They were writing under a pen name. I think you say, un negro, a ghost writer. Well, a pen name is un nombre, diferente que el tuyo que usas como autor. And a ghost writer is somebody who writes for you. So, according to a guy named James Wilbert, again, you can look into this uh, as deep as you want. The rabbit hole goes deep, como decimos. We've got a few options of the people who might have written Shakespeare's plays if you don't believe it was him. The first person is Edward Devere. Edward de Vere, also known as the Earl of Oxford. Some say it was Francis Bacon, Christopher Marlowe. Another one says it was Mary Sidney Herbert. It's widely accepted that he wrote his plays, but there is a, a faction of the population who say that he didn't. What I'll ask you to do is what I ask you to do in all these cases. Do the research and formulate your own opinion. And now we're going to take a look at some famous quotes from some of Shakespeare's most famous characters and plays. His shortest play, here's a trivia question, his shortest play, The Comedy of Errors, has only 1,770 lines. That's only a third of the length of his longest play. Do you know what his longest play is? I'll give you a clue. We mentioned it already, Hamlet. That's right, it takes four hours to put on Hamlet, and to put on a play is montar una obra. Let's take a look at some of these quotes. The first one is from Hamlet, Act 1, Scene 1. Let me get in my British mode. This above all, to thine own self be true. Remember, thine is your, lo vimos antes. This above all, to thine own self be true, and it must follow as the night the day. Thou canst not then be false, To any man. And this is about being true to yourself. Here's one from Julius Caesar. Cowards die many times before their deaths. The valiant never taste of death but once. So we've heard many iterations of that. But that's the original. Here's one from Romeo and Juliet. What's in a name? That which we call a rose. By any other word. Would smell As sweet. The next one is an idiomatic expression which we use pretty often, but again, all of these have been reworded. The version from King Henry the Fourth says. Uneasy lies the head that wears the crown. And we say in the modern vernacular, heavy is the head that wears the crown. Pesado es la cabeza que lleva la corona. The next one is from As You Like It. And remember, we can learn from the titles of his plays. I always think of one of my favorite ones, Much Ado About Nothing, que es mucho ruido pocas Nuetis. Much ado about nothing. But this next quote is from As You Like It. He says, All the world's a stage, and all the men and women are merely players. They have their exits and their entrances, and one man in his time plays many parts. I love it. Another one from The Merchant of Venice, and this one is used all the time. I think we've even seen it on past episodes. All that glitters is not gold. Todo lo que reluce no es oro. And as I was preparing the episode, I came to the realization that Cervantes and Shakespeare were alive and died around the same time. Do you know what this is? This is like Messi and Cristiano in the writing world. How lucky were those people to have lived during the lifetime of Cervantes and Shakespeare, two of the most amazing writers to ever walk the face of the earth. And there's even a little connection. Some people say that they may have died on the same date. And I say may because, as I said, a lot of the details of Shakespeare's life are unclear. But one thing is clear. Shakespeare's legacy will live on forever. This was not just a flash in the pan. Algo que tiene éxito de noche a la mañana y desaparece. No, Shakespeare is here to stay. Ha llegado para quedarse. And I'll leave you with this last quote from Romeo and Juliet. Good night, good night Parting is such sweet sorrow That I shall say good night Till it be morrow And Curtain Thank you so much for joining us On this week's episode of FYI